Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Zohar in 15. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining me, either live or archive. Today we'll be talking uh, from Zohar Volume 11, portion Truma, Chapter 27, that they bring me an offering. So at this point, Israel's gone through, a, its its history is really accelerated. It moves really fast from the time that Abraham is called in, in Genesis chapter 12. Now we're standing at the backside of the Exodus. And God is now communicating to Moses, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. God's now communicating to Moses about these instructions about this tabernacle. So the question that we have and that we need to ask ourselves is, what is this tabernacle for? Because up until this point, they haven't had a need for one. They, they haven't had one. And if we look at how the tabernacle was constructed and later how the temple is constructed, and we look at, at our churches today, we find out that uh, they're not much of a match or like kind and quality about the environment of the tabernacle or the temple. But the tabernacle itself, this moment in biblical history, brings us to an incredibly unique moment between God and man. And so I want to read, I want to read to you a couple of, of uh, verses through Exodus here, can, talking about the tabernacle to kind of get us caught up to speed. So here's the conversation between God and Moses about this tabernacle. And we're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. The Lord then spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution which you are to raise from them, gold, silver, bronze, uh, blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skin, dyed red, porpoise skins, uh, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil, and, the fragrant, and fragrances for incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. According to all that I'm going to show you, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, exactly so shall you construct it. So it started the conversation about this temple or this tabernacle being built. There's a couple things we need to hone in on. First of all is that it was done by contribution. And if you notice, every person gave as they were able to give. And I want to say this as kind of a, a corollary or a side note. I want you to notice that all the elements, all the funding, everything that was needed for the construction was, get, was gathered ahead of time. They did not go into debt to build this building. Now, verses 1 through 7 tell us what the tabernacle is. Verses 8 tell us why the tabernacle is. And verse number 8, uh, and verse number eight tells us a little bit more. We'll get right to it. But each person, listen to that. Each person... Every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. They gave from their heart. Now, in verse number 8, he says, Let them construct a sanctuary for me, that I may dwell among them. The importance of the tabernacle was not a place for us to gather. It wasn't about air conditioning. It wasn't about padded pews. It wasn't about certain sanctuary setups. It wasn't about multimedia presentations. It wasn't about worship bands. It wasn't about any of the things that we do today. It wasn't about preaching. 
What it was was a gathering place where God could come and meet with his people. It was a place where God would dwell with his people just like he had in the Garden of Eden. In verse number 9, he says, look, I've got these exact details that I want done. I want it done exactly like this. There is an acceptable pattern of worship. There's an acceptable pattern of, of praise. There's an acceptable pattern of how we're to live towards God. So there's authorized and there's unauthorized. It doesn't mean that if we do something that's unauthorized that it's wrong or that we should start fights about it. But remember, God desires to be worshipped in a certain way, to be met in a certain way, to have things done in a certain way. That's what his desires are. Now we're going to fast forward real quickly to Exodus chapter 40. I know this is our Zohar show, but we're laying some groundwork what these verses from the Zohar are addressing. We're going to fast forward to Exodus chapter 40. Now... Now what has happened is that the, uh, the, the tabernacle is now constructed. In Exodus chapter 40, in the closing parts of the chapter, verse 34 through 38, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of the meeting because the cloud had settled on it, but the glory, and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day was taken. For all throughout their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle in the day, and there was fire on it by night in the sight of the entire house of Israel. Now, we see that finally the project now is complete. The presence of God has come just like God said that it was going to. But what's interesting here is this part. The presence goes with them as they journey, and they knew how to move. They knew how to move and when to move based on what? Based on the pillar of cloud got up and moved during the day or the cloud of fire or the pillar of fire would move at night, they would move with it. The presence is what led them. Why is this important? You see, often, often we, when we begin the uh, spiritual path, we kind of see our beginning part of our relationship with God like a miracle. We see miracles and wonders before, uh, before our eyes. We see the power of God in our lives. And we think to ourselves, boy, this is exactly what God, what life's going to be. But in truth, miracles cannot support us. Miracles cannot support us long-term on our spiritual work and journey. I want you to think about this staggering thought. Every person that Jesus healed died. Lazarus that he brought back from the dead, he eventually dies. The guy with a bl that's blind, he dies. The guy that couldn't hear, he dies. Uh, he, it says that he went around Galilee healing all manners of sickness and disease. All those people died. Miracles can give us a glimpse of God, but they cannot give us that permanent connection. Miracles do provide an intense flash of light for a moment or a particular situation, but this light does not continue to glow enduringly. So the idea of this tabernacle, this meeting place, was a place for God to come and bring a certain degree of permanence into, into it. They lack that permanence. Now, if you, if you think about relationships, think about relationships for a minute. You find somebody that you really love, and you have these great dinners, and you go to all these places, and you're having all this fun, and it's so exciting. And you say, you know what? This is the kind of person that I'd like to spend the rest of my life with. This is how I'd like to see my life go. And you wind up you know, getting together or forming a relationship. What's it like in 10 years? You better have built that relationship on something other than just the flashes of what made you happy, or just kind of the miracle of meeting somebody. There needs to be some permanence. And when we come back from our quick commercial break, we're going to read in Zohar, the verse 263, about having security and permanence in this relationship. Looking for something different at your next retreat? 
Bible study or weekend seminar, Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support, encourage, and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Or you can call 719-233-6265. 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. In verse number 263 in our portion, he says, Surely that he gave it, speaking of God, gave it to Moses and did not give it to another. This is like a king who is among his people, but the queen was not with the king. As long as the queen was not with the king, the people were not certain that he would remain with them. They did not sit securely, but all the people rejoiced and sit securely when the queen arrives. Thus, in the beginning, even though the Holy One, blessed be he, performed for them miracles and wonders through Moses, the people were still not certain that the Holy One, blessed be he, would remain with them. When the Holy One, blessed be he, said that they bring me an offering, and I will set my tabernacle among you, they, they are immediately certain the Holy One, blessed be he, would be with them. What did God give them, Moses? He gave them descriptive plans, definitely, to make sure they got it right. And if you really think about what the Bible is designed to be, what the Scripture is designed to be, is the entire course of Scripture is God reaching out to help us find the path to get it right. It was never really meant or intended to be a hammer that we beat people over the head with because we don't agree with their lifestyles. Now, notice in, in our Zohar, it says, when the king and the queen are together, the people are secure and rejoice. Now, why are they happy when the king and the queen are united? Because they know the king is staying. And this type of security, this type of security leads to a deepened transformation process. You know, I think there's some real answers for us here. One of them is in our churches today. How many people move from church to church to church? Maybe uh, they move because somebody said something they didn't like, or they move because they don't have a women's program or a men's program or a kids program. Or, I, yeah, I don't care. You know what I mean. They move around. There is no permanence. There's no sense of I'm going to stay to make this work out. I'm going to do the hard work to grow. It's always about, oh, they're not feeding me. Oh, they're not providing for me. In order to deepen that transformation process, God said, okay, what I'm going to stop doing is parting Red Seas for you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come and dwell among you. God is a great God because he stays. It's interesting when we study other types of deities. Uh, you can call them pagan deities if that makes you happy. When we study other types of deities, it's interesting to note that a lot of the narrative built on them is the idea that if you make them mad, they leave and you can't find them. You can run around calling them and screaming for them, but you made them mad so you get a bad corn crop. Or you made them mad and you don't have any babies. Or you made them mad or, so you were constantly finding ways to appease them so that they would hang around. The idea of this tabernacle, the idea of the temple, and again, please take this respectfully, the idea of the church gathering was to be that meeting place, not a meeting place designed to make us happy, not designed to make us comfortable, not designed to have our specialized seating arrangements, but a place where God would be for us to do, for God to dwell amongst us. Once the tabernacle was in place, God has staked his claim with Israel. What if we believed? What if we believed today that our proof of connection with God was our meeting place? Why don't you think about that for a minute? What if we believe today that our proof of connection with God was our meeting place? If one of you said, well, how in the world can you prove there's a God? That's ridiculous. This all happened by fate or luck. And, and that's fine if you believe that. We say, well, because I go see him. I go meet God. What do you mean you go meet him? Well, there's a place that he designed for him to come meet with us. I Now, 
what if we took spiritual directions? Think about this. Remember, when the pillar of, of fire by night, the cloud during the day got up and moved, they packed up the tabernacle, they moved with it. What if we took our spiritual direction based off the movement of God? What if we were so in tune to God we actually knew what his will was? Because really what we've done now is we've created an environment where we hire people to tell us what God's will is. And sometimes they get it right. And sometimes they get it wrong, not because they're evil, deceitful people, but because they're human and they make mistakes. Now, I understand. Take this, take this in the best possible light. I understand the accomplishments of Jesus and how it did change the landscape of the spiritual life, especially in terms of Christianity, and especially in terms of sacrifice. But people will say to me constantly, Dave, you're being legalistic. You're talking about having to go to a building. You're talking about having to go to the church. You're talking about these appointed meeting places. You talk about this so much. Well, I need to ask you, we can worship Jesus anywhere. We can worship in our home. We can sing whatever songs. I agree. Great. But if Jesus is everywhere, and you're not bound by laws, you're not bound by, by these parts where God said, this is how I'd like to see it done. This is how I want it done. And you can worship anytime, anywhere. Then answer me this question. Riddle me this, Batman. How come so many Christians come to church saying they have drained batteries and they barely made it to church? And this is how they're going to, uh, coming to church today is, is how they're going to keep their, their selves alive. And they, this is where they recharge their batteries. Why is there a question about recharging your batteries? If you're constantly plugged into the source, if you're plugged into wall sockets, you don't need batteries. I want to read one last verse. we got about a minute here. Reading verse 266. The work of the tabernacle is, is in the likeness of above, one corresponding to the other, in order, in order to include the Shekinah or the, or the Holy Spirit on all sides, above and below. Here in this world, the work of the tabernacle is like the work of the body to include the spirit within it. This is the glory of God, the Shekinah, the Shekinah that is included above and below, and she is the Holy Spirit. So when you think about that statement, that the picture of the tabernacle they created is supposed to be as a connection like what the heavens are going to be like, and it's also a connection of what our bodies are supposed to be like, that God is dwelling among us in our bodies. Hence Paul's remark in the New Testament documents, know ye not that your body is a temple of the living God. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. Thank you so much for joining me live or our on the Zohar in 15. Mm-hmm.